Welcome to the Geek-Centric Podcast. Today we're talking about Morbius being delayed yet again, theaters continuing to close across Ontario, and we discuss the latest teaser for The Boys Season 3. All this and everything else that happened this week in Geek. Hello, I'm J-Law, but you can call me Justin. And if you're joining us for the first time, well, we are Geekcentric, a podcast celebrating the world of movies, TV shows, toys, collectibles, gaming, and all things Geekcentric. And today, we're starting the year off with something new. For those who have been here before, you'll know that we've had consistent episodes in the past that allowed us geeks to discuss all the latest news and trailers that would have dropped. But we got a little busy last year. 2021, we focused on bringing more review-based content to the channel, and we will continue to do so. But much like the Jedi mindset that we believe in, there must be balance. So today, we're introducing This Week in Geek, our weekly episode covering the latest news and trailers from all things geek-centric. Today, I'm joined by one of our two lovely co-hosts, Kevin Hudson, how are you, man? I'm doing really well, thank you for having me. Awesome. Are you excited to bring back the news and trailer combo? Uh, yeah, I mean, the way we live, the, the world of movies and television has been disrupted so much over the last two years because of the pandemic. And we're starting this year off in a very similar fashion, unfortunately. But I, you know, I like the idea of doing the show and immersing ourselves more into that stuff and, and making, Absolutely. You know, making it feel a little bit more normal if we can. Absolutely. Like 2021 allowed us to really kind of flush out a lot more review-based content. Again, like I said, just strengthening our ability to talk more critically about movies and, and how to talk about it is very new for us. Um, and we're totally grateful for it. And we want to continue to do that. But there's so much that does tend to happen within the world of pop culture when it comes to the news and, and the trailers that we'll, we, we see. And uh, with that, we are also going to be bringing back Whatcha. So, Kev, what, what you been up to? What have you been enjoying? Uh, anything that you want to share? Uh, well, uh, I've had it recommended to me multiple times. And so I finally saddled up. I, I hopped on my horse and uh, I binged the hell out of Yellowstone and loved every single second of it. Kevin Costner as a cowboy, man. Oh, I've, man. I've, it's, only, it's... I've only heard great things about it. It's, it's, it's so uh, good. I don't know. Did you watch uh, Sons of Anarchy? No, I've heard it's like Sons of Anarchy, even on a horses. bit of like, yeah, yeah, on <laughs> horses. I, I know that. And, and then also the other analogy I heard, too, is maybe a bit of like a, a the, the Breaking Bad or even an Ozark. It, it has all those those tropes that you might see from that series. So I, I know I would probably be really into it. I think it's just sitting down and doing it. And apparently, like season three is just really, really good. So Yeah, I just finished season four, which uh, just came out over the last couple of weeks. And I have to say it was a little bit slower, a little bit right. uh, underwhelming compared to what was a terrific season three. But it was still... Just thoroughly engaging. Rip uh, Rip Wheeler, played by Cole Hauser, is easily my favorite character on television since probably Game of Thrones. Um, so watching him was was a lot of fun. And as you said, Kevin Costner as a cowboy, you can't go wrong there. So it's it's just funny how many parallels I could draw to Sons of Anarchy. And what it really did is showed me that I could never be a cowboy. Um, but it is really cool to watch these men be men and and do all that hard work for me. I don't think I'd last a day out on the uh, the Yellowstone Ranch, let me tell you. So so very much like Sons of Anarchy, it was I was happy to watch 
dudes to live on bikes and, <laughs> and do that stuff. They can they can take care of that for me. Thank you very much. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, I've, I I should check it out. I've been told by numerous people. I check it out. thoroughly recommend it. It's the writing is just incredible. Just some really great moments earned cool. and 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 justified by these characters over over the four seasons. Awesome, awesome. Uh, yeah, for my watch, uh, it, it is going to be something I watched. Um, I watched it over the holiday season. I actually did a marathon. Then I watched this, and now I'm amongst doing the marathon again uh, just because it was so good, and that is the the Harry Potter 20th anniversary return to Hogwarts. Uh, this was fantastic. I, I, I feel like this is how reunion special should go it gave you the cast reuniting while also giving you like sort of peek behind the curtain about what went into making these movies and their relationship and my only my only thing is, is that i think it could have been longer and it didn't need to be like one movie sort of event it could have maybe told the story through like a mini series right uh kind of exploring and, and spending a little bit more time almost if you wanted to even my wife was saying you know dedicating it as as you know an episode per movie there could have been more that could have been explored because it was really good. Yeah, it, it definitely focused on the three main characters first and foremost, For sure. which which definitely makes sense. But yeah. I, I totally agree. I would have loved even more. Anytime they were presenting what at least for me was new information about the thought process that went into filming a certain scene or watching the young actors grow up into these these excellent uh, young actors from, you know, starting as children. That stuff was all really, really fascinating. I definitely would have watched more if uh, they had presented it as such. I mean, I think it relied a little heavily on showing clips from the movies um, at times, but it was that was important in sort of establishing what we were talking about and what we were looking at. And so while, yeah, maybe an episode per movie would have been great, at least they did go through each of the movies in they order and, and we saw the evolution of the series. It was yeah. a really nice reward after having just watched the movies ourselves. Yeah, and, and how they broke up the movies first, first and foremost. Like, you know... It was like the kid's story. It was the family adventure for the first two. And then it was like the coming of age for three and four. And you see that. You can actually see that through the movies and the way they were. And having like, you know, Chris Chris Columbus sort of kickstart this all who obviously Home Alone one and two, if I'm not mistaken, um, you know, he is so rooted in and, and, and he gets called out for being such a great collaborator with the kids Um you know, and, and the clips that they did show, you know, their first screen test together when they put uh, Rupert Grint, Emma Watson and Daniel Radcliffe together as kids to just do a scene and how they f fed off of each other. I was like, wow, that was their first time doing it like that felt really natural. So it makes sense as to why this trio was selected. So, yeah, I really loved it. It, it had me crying at the end. Uh, first with with Robbie Coltrane's. He's very self-reflexive. It seems like he's looking back at his life and understanding that he, while he may not be here, Hagrid will forever be here. And I thought that was just so much. And and then ending the uh, reunion with the note of, of Snape like that really I was Falling. I couldn't believe it. I it was it just just everything. So after that, you know, we me and my wife, like I said, we watched it the the entire thing. We watched the reunion, and now we're we're at uh, Order of the Phoenix right now on the rewatch second time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's I I will certainly watch it again, and it is almost a nice thing to watch after finishing the movies. Now I think that's the order. Uh, like I'll do that every time now is watch that reunion special because it is it just leaves you feeling a bit better than like those the last couple movies are pretty darn heavy especially when compared to the earlier ones so i think this is a nice little note of brevity to sort of 
ease ease off the the Harry Potter journey on the annual trip that I seem to take with it. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, that's it for uh, this week's Whatcha. I think it's time for some news. What do you say, Kev? You want to get into some news? Let's get into some news. It's all about the details. All right. Well, our first news story comes from Deadline, and it's from uh, Anthony D'Alessandro. Cineplex lays off 5,000 part-time workers uh, over short-term while Ontario cinemas are closed. Canada's number one movie theater chain, Cineplex, has pink-slipped close to 5,000 part-time workers given given Ontario's recent decision to close cinemas amid the Omicron surge. Cineplex closed their theaters in Canada province-wide, effective as of January 6th. Uh, They were stating, because of the mandated closure of of our theater and entertainment venues across Ontario, we made the tough but necessary decision to once again temporarily lay off our part-time workforce, impacting nearly 5,000 roles. We are eager to get our team back to work once all uh, of this is over. Temporary closures of the cinemas in Ontario is expected to last until January 28th. Cineplex plans to hire part-time staff back at that point of when they reopen. Uh, the upside is obviously the staffers can uh, you know, take advantage of the unemployment subsidies in, in Canada, uh, hopefully. Um, as we know, Cineplex here in Canada operates uh, at s- operates 67 multiplexes in Ontario. Uh, in Quebec, they're, they're closed as well. Um, I don't know if the same could be said about all the other provinces. I, I don't believe so. I think they've reduced capacity. So it makes sense. I mean, it certainly has disrupted the uh, release schedule for the next month or so. I mean, um, I'm a big fan of the Scream franchises, uh, franchise, and so that, uh, you know, is obviously in, in, in doubt. I have no idea uh, if they're going to be pushing it back or if uh, it's still going to get released in the States. Uh, it seems like it's still on track to be released in the States because, again, in the States, uh, they are not closing theaters. Obviously, don't know what each state is doing, but I, we could, I could see them at least doing what some of the provinces are doing here in Canada, where it's reduced attendance, right? It's, it's, it's scaling it down. Yeah, I think, I think that's certainly the case. And even for us, I think this will be the shortest lockdown um, of the three, uh, I'm hoping. I hope, hoping, you yeah, know, hoping. hoping by the end of the month, things uh, can sort of get back to normal. But it does, you know, make you think about these, these poor workers who uh, are out of work once again. It just shows the the really personal uh, impacts that that these closures can have beyond us not being able to go to theaters you know these people can't go to work and so that's well that's the bigger thing here yeah. frustrating I, I, yeah yeah I feel like you know again hopefully there are options for them as as the article outlines here that uh, they'd be able to take advantage of some some gov- government subsidies so uh, we'll we'll see we'll not necessarily something that we know too too much about uh but what we do know is that more movies are being delayed uh and uh the first on this is of course morbius uh, this article comes from brett lang from variety sony pictures will move the release of morbius by three months the studio has has issued a statement um the film as part of the sony spider-man cinematic universe and, and not to be confused with the disney's mcu but it is now moved from January 28th to April 1st of 2022. Now, it's it's not the first time 
or the second time or the third time that that Morbius has been postponed. Uh, the film was supposed to debut July 10th of 2020, but COVID had other ideas and plans in store for it. As the pandemic continued to rage, Morbius cycled through various dates. Uh, it was July 31st, 2020, then March 19th, 2021, then October 8th, 2021, finally moving to January 21st, 2022, before shifting yet again to January 8, 28th. Uh, 2022, which it's now vacated. So Omicron uh, is is has definitely stopped this movie dead in its track. Uh, the film is obviously starring uh, Jared Leto. Uh, he's playing Michael Morbius, the anti-hero who is struggling with a disorder and uh, you know seeks the help of a bat or several bats to correct his ways. Uh, but there's also a lot of rumors surrounding this, right? Like maybe there's some faces that are going to be added to that. So I, I wanted to get your take. What do you think? What do you think uh, about this move? Um, I think if it is for reasons such as what you're suggesting, that maybe we'll get a cameo f uh, from the, the Spider-Man movie to sort of attach it to a different Spider-Man universe than the, the Marvel MCU one. Uh, I think that's actually a really good idea. Uh, anything they can do to sort of bring some consistency to the Sony Spider-Man universe, I think sure. is important just because of how tight and well done everything is on the Marvel side. Sony needs to sort of get their their shit together too. And I mean, <laughs> if they're just moving it again, I'm getting super strong New Mutants vibes from this movie that they just Absolutely. don't want anybody to see it. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping that it's not that. It's, it's the latter or the yeah, former, I'm I should say. Yeah, I, I, I'm totally with you. I think it makes sense, obviously. Like, that's a tall order for fans to ask for spoilers for Spider-Man No Way Home, if you haven't seen it already. But um, Andrew Garfield to actually show up in this movie, it, it does make sense. And I think, as you said, Kevin, because Spider-Man No Way Home at least establishes the, the multiverse concepts around each of the three Spider-Men, you know, fans have been... Have been uh, clamoring for Andrew Garfield to return and you know this world of Morbius which seems to be connected to Venom's world seems appropriate for for Andrew Garfield to kind of come in and, and to the point of that you're making it makes sense for Sony to say okay well we can still do MCU Spider-Man stuff but we can also do our own I would like it if that's the case but it seems like this is more of a money strategy thing and also to just kind of delay this this Omicron because we, we don't really know Omicron. And getting pushed to January is always a bad sign for a movie. So the yeah. fact that this got pushed to January but is now being moved April, further yeah. into the calendar year, it maybe that's a good thing. I mean, the internet was pretty funny that day when the big push got announced and all the April Fool's jokes and everything sure. that, that yeah. people were coming up with. But... Uh, yeah. I don't. This has never been one that I've been really excited to see. See, so and, and that's so, and that's my thing. I, I I wonder again, leaning on that idea of the rumor of potentially adding Andrew Garfield. There's weight to that, you know. I think they know that they're not going to put as many asses in the seats as they did for obviously an MCU produced film. So if they were to put Andrew Garfield in it. I think that would really help this movie. Uh, it would help perform. this movie and would help yeah. at least whatever they're trying to do. Like some Eagle Eye fans have already pointed out the fact that in the Morbius trailer, we do see that image of Spider-Man in the background with um, murderer written across him. Now having the context of knowing that Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker went through a dark past, it, 
it could be him. But yeah, comes out uh, April 1st, 2022. We'll see. Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe it'll just disappear. Maybe it'll get snapped away. Just turn into dust. (laughs) Uh, But on the theme of movies that are being delayed or shifting releases... Uh, Pixar's Turning Red is ditching theaters to premiere strictly on Disney+. Plus. This article comes from uh, Richard Lawler from The Verge. No relation to King Lawler. <laughs> Disney has announced a change of plans for the upcoming family flick, Pixar's Turning Red. Uh, instead of coming to theaters on March 11th, now it will premiere exclusively in homes worldwide on Disney+, Plus, but still on March 11th. As of right now, it seems like there's no plans for a premiere access, like video-on-demand setup that they've done previously with, with movies like Mulan. Instead, it's going to be available to all subscribers similar to to the other Pixar movies from over the past uh, pandemic years, if you will, which was uh, Soul and Luca, which both hit the streaming platform. Uh, The Disney animation production Encanto premiered in theaters for Thanksgiving, uh, and with a a 30-day run, it arrived uh, on Disney+. Kareem Daniel, the Disney Media and Entertainment Distribution chairman, made a statement about this, um, saying that uh, given the delayed box office recovery, particularly for family films, flexibility remains at the core of our distribution decisions as we prioritize delivering the unparalleled content of Walt Disney Company to audiences around the world. So clearly this is a this is a, a movie date sort of analysis. They're, they're looking at it movie by movie and, and where the pandemic is is at currently. But this is this is kind of bittersweet, right? Like it, it's sort of like I, I feel for the animators and the, the to people that have, you know, really put a lot of effort into making this movie to want to see it in the theater but i don't think that that doesn't mean it can't happen down the road well that's that's what i'm kind of hoping they do with a lot of these movies that they've released over the last two years is when things return to a bit more of a normal pace and we can get to theaters comfortably a re-release even just for a couple weeks of each of you know, the last three or four animated Pixar movies would be awesome because they do deserve to be seen on that big screen. I mean, 100%. Luca was just so beautiful and yeah. to see that on the big screen would be really, really nice. And yeah, for the animators and all their hard work to get to see, that's everybody's dream is to see your work up on the big screen. And so, Absolutely. I mean, it makes sense from a Disney Plus perspective. I mean, they're always wanting to get new subscribers. And so offering a, a big Pixar movie for free as part of the subscription will probably help see their numbers go up again and. uh mm-hmm. In March, I, I mean, they've kind of been doing this since the launch of the service. Is every once in a while giving people a reason to get on there, and and I mean, plus the back catalog of five hundred. Th- I mean, there's no reason you shouldn't be subscribed to Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah, we've we've drinking that juice pretty hard, so like we're. <laughs> um, but you know, I know you're a numbers guy, so so you know, we look at something like Encanto that again, like I said, was put. Uh, out in theaters during Thanksgiving weekend. Um, and it only generated 92 million uh, domestically. And I think it was like 150 or more uh, globally. Uh, and, and the budget and the budget was, was about 150, uh, uh, if not uh, maybe a bit more in terms of movie. So uh, it made back its what it spent in, in making the movie, but for COVID times, that's pretty low. Like, obviously, when you compare to the numbers of like something like Spider-Man No Way Home, which obviously dominated, that was a movie that got people there. So, you know, again, they're not they're not wrong for saying that delayed box office recovery because people are being smart about 
what they're going to go and see. And I also think, though, if they're making this decision, it might not necessarily harm them that much, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel I like mean, it's, they're going to need to get it's not 20 a million new subscribers in order yeah. to to equal a $200 million box office performance. Sure. I got to say, I'm almost surprised that it made almost $100 million. Uh, I mean, it wasn't marketed very hard by Disney, I don't think. And so the fact that people did go out, it was a perfect time being over the holiday season. For sure. You know, in a movie about strong family values and everything, that's a perfect thing to sort of release around that Thanksgiving time. For sure. Um, But yeah, so 92 million is actually even more than I would have guessed that it would have pulled in 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 such a short, sort of very, you know, hush-hush sort of theatrical release. Yeah, based on what I was able to find. um, Yeah, I can see that this, this makes sense. But I know, like, I posted on our Twitter, you know, we're, tr- we're from Toronto. It would have been great to see, you know, Pixar's Toronto-inspired story on the big screen. But, alas, that we might have to wait for that. So, and and right now, obviously, Twitter is 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 a disaster of a place in terms of when you, you post things. And I immediately got a reaction from someone that was just like, well, this isn't great for Canadians. And, you know, wh- there's not many places and things. And I'm like, you know, I'm just trying to be positive in a very negative situation i i get that it sucks so uh don't come at me all right i i get it i get it (laughs) we didn't make the decision people (laughs) we did not uh um but let's move into our next story um and it's our last news story and uh kept did you enjoy the golden globes i did not even know they happened. <laughs> yeah, nor did I. I actually, uh, I was online reading uh, th- through Twitter and I was seeing, you know, uh, Encanto, as an example, won Best Animated Picture uh, at the Golden Globes. I'm thinking, Golden Globes? What, what is this? What, what is this? So I did some digging and I actually found an article uh, from Ilana uh, Kaplan uh, over at Rolling Stones magazine that is titled No Show Golden Globes. Uh, so gone are, are the familiar banter hosts of, of Tina Fey and Amy Fuller, who who presented the show opposite coasts last year uh, during the, the covid pandemic. Instead, after a year of controversy for the Hollywood foreign press, the party went off without any red carpet, no celebrity presenters. And in lieu of its signature ceremony, the Hollywood Press Association unveiled winners and losers via Twitter. Uh, they have had a very tough year, the Hollywood Foreign Press. Uh, I'm just going to kind of break down some of the stories. Uh, a lot of it comes from last year, uh, the revelation of there not being any black members among the 87 voters. Uh, and especially last year with, with such heavy uh, black-led films like uh, Judas and the Black Messiah uh, and Spike Lee's uh, The Five Bloods, they, they failed to receive nominations for Best Pictures uh, at the 2021 ceremony, uh, which sparked immense amount of outrage and, and just a lot of people doing digging and, and kind of unraveling this. A few months later, NBC announced it would not broadcast the 2022 Golden Globes and several other networks networks and streaming services with ties to the Hollywood Foreign Press Association uh, severed that. And this was a fun fact. Tom Cruise gave back the three Golden Globes he'd won. I don't know if that's true, but she she put it in her article, and I thought that that was that was uh, that was quite funny. Um, but needless to say, they they are trying to. Uh, improve their image they're in damage control if you will uh in december they had issued an open letter uh kind of outlining their plans and, and what they want to do you know and being more diverse uh but as uh ilana points out uh those who were nominated for this year 
uh, we're, we're still fairly white. Kenneth Brogna's Belfast and Jane Campion's The Power of the Dog were top nominees in the film categories, uh, seven nods each. And then in TV, Kev's favorite show, Succession, led the pack, uh, followed by The Morning Show and Ted Lasso. So yeah, fairly white, white predominant cast. I think the, the most diverse would probably be Ted Lasso, but there were some projects that did focus on people of color that did make appearances. Steven Spielberg's remake of West Side Story was, was nominated for Best uh, Picture Musical Comedy. Will Smith scored Best Actor in a Drama. Well, that's big. Is this is this the year he finally gets his Oscar? I wonder. Well, also yeah. with with that, we'll we'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, but you know, An- Andrew Garfield won Best Actor as well on the other side, so it could be the two of them going neck and neck. Uh, I also, most notably though, uh, Michaela J. Rodriguez made history as the first transgender actor to take home Golden Globe for her role as Blanca in Pose. So. Uh, yeah, like it was pretty much business as usual uh, for for the award season. But it looks like, uh, as Ilana says, party privileges are still revoked until uh, they can get themselves together. It's it's uh, it was really interesting to have to go through and see all of this through a Twitter feed. It was strange. Yeah, I mean, the, the Globes are a pretty big deal. Uh, and I know we like to dive into awards uh, maybe a bit more than than average movie fans, but... You know, the Globes are kind of that fun, casual award show for for everybody, you yeah, know, especially the because it. Yeah, and I mean, and they can tell you a lot about who's going to win. Like, it's nice to see Dune will likely win Best Original Score as it won the Golden Globe for that, very deservingly so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, this is really the big time for TV to sort of get its recognition, 100%. and and so I'm very happy for Jeremy Strong again uh, taking yeah. home. Uh, best supporting, or I guess best lead. Yeah, uh, yeah, best no. actor. Yeah, best actor yeah. in a drama, right? Because yes, comedy musical, I think, went to Jason Sudeikis again. It did. For Ted yes, Lasso. He, he, yeah. uh, so yeah. both sides of that coin, I'm happy with with sort of where uh, most of the attention. Uh, I was sad. I up. was sad that there was no love given to Only Murders in the Building. Yeah, even just as a best comedy series, like yeah, that, or I like Steve Martin, like Steve Martin, like he he was great in that series. So I don't know. I guess if you're Steve Martin and you see you're going up against you know Jason Sudeikis' Ted Lasso, who everyone genuinely loves, it's like, yeah, fuck, I'm I'm not I'm probably not going to win this one. You don't stand a chance. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, as you were mentioning, Kev, you know, award season. Well, it might not necessarily be the thing for the average moviegoer, but, uh, you know, we're, we're geeks and, uh, you know, Oscar season is around the corner. So we're going to be doing our annual episode. So look out for that. Yeah, hopefully, it, hopefully that doesn't just take place on a random Sunday night. We have to find out. Yeah, later. exactly. Yeah, no Twitter feed for Oscars. That, that'll just be a disaster. Um, but that's it for news. You know what? I, I think it's time for us to, to bring back that old banjo because it's trailer time. <laughs> All right, our first trailer is for Moonfall, directed by the disaster film expert himself, <laughs> Roland Emmerich, uh, starring Halle Berry, Patrick Wilson, John Bradley, Donald Sutherland, Michael Penna, Charlie Plummer, and Wen Wen Yu. There's no synopsis, but apparently there's a summary of what happens in this movie, so... In Moonfall, a mysterious force knocks the moon from its orbit around Earth and sends it hurling on a collision course with life as we know it. 
That's a weird sentence. Uh, with mere weeks before impact and the world on the brink of annihilation, NASA executive and former astronaut Joe Fowler, uh, played by Halle Berry, is convinced she has the key to saving us all. But only one astronaut from her past, Brian Harper, played by Patrick Wilson, and a conspiracy theorist, uh, Casey Houseman, played by John Bradley, believe her. These unlikely heroes will mount an impossible last-ditch mission into space, leaving behind everyone they love, only to find that they might have prepared for the wrong mission. I don't know how I feel about this movie, but oh, I think it's... it's <laughs> what they're talking about in that last sentence, about how it's a, a different mission altogether, is where this trailer lost me. As soon as right. the flying nanobot dust monster appears, I was I was out, I think, well, the, you know. Yeah, I, I feel like this is you know, the greatest hits of, of Roland Emmerich all rolled into one, right? You got like, you know, you, you saw visuals that felt similar to 2012, to Independence Day, to even just like monster-esque style like Godzilla, right? Like there's just so many of these these typical tropes. And, and it's so funny because like, I don't know many, I was trying to think about other directors that kind of fall into this this sort of box of this is the kind of movies that they they do. And Roland Emmerich is the only one that I can really think of that is has even done it. Even he is that, the most niche director of all time now, I think. Yeah, he absolutely. just he makes disaster movies and that's it. One thing I will say about this trailer here, it looks like he's having a bit more fun with the story instead of like the 2012 and Day After Tomorrow just took themselves way too seriously for the types of movies that they are, you know? Like, it looks like he's channeling a bit more of that fun, freewheeling spirit that you would have seen in Independence Day. You know, John Bradley looks like he's having an absolute ball here, so... Well, he seems like he's going to be that sort of, you know, quippy... Uh, nervous, geeky. He's the Jeff uh, Goldblum. Yeah, he's the Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> yeah, there you go. He's the Jeff Goldblum. And you know, Patrick Wilson. I, I like Patrick Wilson, so I, I I think he he can definitely carry this. You know, Michael Pena is in it as well, so I'm interested. He wasn't in the trailer, but then you got Donald uh, he Sutherland. Is, he is when uh, they're driving the car from one <laughs> oh, okay. falling debris him. to I the next, him. which was which was the 2012 <laughs> moment. Uh, you, got, um, you know, you got you got Donald Sutherland being the you know the foreseeable. I, I know what's happening you know like the old man who has the wisdom so which all of these movies have so uh this movie uh is 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 very very directly saying you know go see it in imax on february 4th kev do you think that's gonna happen (laughs) Uh, i'm not sure if we'll be able to uh to enjoy i don't know if i would though even if i could this yeah exactly this doesn't (laughs) scream to me go out and spend 24 bucks to see this movie in imax and there you go so so here's that comes the question like this is where i feel like hollywood needs to get smarter with what movies go where right because and I, I get the profitability side. Like, there's a whole bunch of numbers that we don't necessarily understand in terms of what goes in and what comes out in terms of putting a movie in theaters. Um, but I feel like something like this, like, you know, Amazon Prime had something very disaster esque uh, called Greenland, and, and it apparently performed really well. I think they also, there was another movie that they did with, um, with uh, Chris Pine that performed really, really well that's already being greenlit for a sequel. You know, again, I, I feel like this movie would have done better on a streaming platform or should have been rather than pushing it so hard for theaters. But I think this is one of those movies that benefits from being on the big screen, you know, right. uh, like a movie like uh, Being the Ricardos is something you can watch sure. at yes. home on a yeah. TV, you know, smaller uh, a sound system that isn't quite as good. But I think 
the fun and explosiveness of a movie like this is really best viewed in theaters if it's your cup of tea. For sure. For sure. Well, yeah, February 4th. We'll see if it if it makes that uh, theater release. It, it probably will, but yeah, it begs the question. Um, our next trailer, uh, you know, again, we talked about Roland Emmerich being so niche in his movies. Well, we got another movie with Liam Neeson, very niche for what he has typically been doing since, oh, I don't know, Schindler's List <laughs> or Star Wars, <laughs> which is the uh, killer assassin style. So this one's called Blacklight. Aiden Quinn, Taylor John Smith, and Emmy Raver Lampman. This is a story about Travis Block, a government operative coming to terms with his shadowy past, uh, played by, of course, Liam Neeson, of course. Uh, when he discovers a plot targeting U.S. citizens, Block finds himself in the crosshairs of the FBI director who he once helped protect. Ooh. Yeah, no, this is this is what Liam Neeson does now. This is taken five. It's an easy this paycheck, is, you know, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He goes in, he probably makes 10 million bucks to to point a gun around and talk to people in that really intimidating snarl of his and yeah. and yeah, but this is cold pursuit. This is honest thief, the marksman, the ice road. That's all he does now is these <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. gritty old dude out for revenge sort of movie. Yeah, gritty old dude out for revenge, played by Liam Neeson. Like, I'm pretty sure there's movies that have parodied this that he has actually played the parody character. I'm pretty sure that's been done somewhere. If not, that's a great parody. <laughs> that would, but, that would, that's a, a winner right there. Yeah. If you sort of spoofed all of these action <laughs> movies that he does, he can fight a wolf and stuff. Yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this one's also. Again, at the end of the trailer, only in theaters, February 11th, 2022. Again, this I just feel like this one is better as a streaming movie too, right? Like, I don't know even if because of how recycled it feels, is it really necessary for you to go see this in theaters? I mean, but I think there are just a group of Liam Neeson fans that just eat this stuff in up, Ireland. right? I never, I never saw any of these movies um, in the. I saw The Gray. The Gray was terrific with the plane crash and everything. Um, but these ones where he's, you know, a, an ex FBI agent or anything, that never does anything for me. But I know that there is a contingency of diehard Liam Neeson fans. This movie will make back its money in, in a small little theatrical run, and it'll well, be yeah, fine. You, you bring up a good point. They wouldn't keep making these movies if there wasn't people to actually want to watch them. So, well, good on Liam Neeson, you know. Again, collect that easy paycheck. I'm, I'm all for that. I'm all for that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, he's, <laughs> he's had a career resurgence with these. It's the best decision he could have made he's been steadily working for the last 10 years because of these movies so yeah and he doesn't seem to really like it doesn't seem like it's really taking its toll on him like you know we, we talked about in the bond review uh for no time to die that like you know daniel craig looks weathered but he also he puts a lot into those stunts and, and we, we learned that through that sort of behind the scenes look that was on uh crave or, or hbo but you know that being said it, it doesn't seem to have that same sort of impact on on Liam like he seems really spry and, and almost like he, he ages obviously but he's not aging like rapidly no it's it's you you if you lined up these movies and had me place in chronological order I they I you know they all could go anywhere for over the last 10 years he doesn't really look like he's aged at all and I think they're probably pretty easy for him to film. I mean, I don't think the stunt work is nearly what it is for a Mission Impossible or a Bond movie. You know, he's just doing a lot of punching and pointing of guns. So 
you know, it's it's an easy it's an easy day at work for for the the old guy. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. Um, okay, let's move into our our next trailer, which is which is more of a, an announcement uh, and, and a teaser for the boys season three, going to be dropping on Prime June third, twenty twenty two. Of course, if you're a fan of the show, then you'll know. This stars uh, Carl Urban, Jack Quaid, Anthony Starr, Aaron Moriarty, just to name a few. Uh, the show is, uh, from creator and writer Eric Kripke. Um, this was interesting as a teaser. I thought it was, it was pretty intense given the, the situation that we have at hands, right? Well, I mean, with, with, uh, you know, Homelander's constant sort of spiral into just pure insanity and darkness, this, you could just see he's dead behind those eyes and, you know, just out for nothing but blood and, and mayhem. So it was very creepy. Yeah, it was very, it was very creepy. It was, I think, to your point, it, it's hinting at the the breaking of it because we got to think too, you know, where we leave things in season two, and everything is going to become, you know, revealed about him and, and Stormfront, and um, there's just so much that's going to unfold and come to light, and and also, you know, Huey. And the crew are, are with that uh, politician, Victoria Newman. Yeah, she's definitely going to be our big bad in uh, yeah. this season, apart yeah. from, you know, Homelander and everything that he's going to have to go through with his kid, you know. Yep, absolutely. There's there's just a lot that's uh, to unravel. So, you know, that was it for that trailer. I think that, uh, you know, again, I'm excited to see that. I think we'll probably do a watch club for that one. Um, more than likely, just because it, it will be a weekly drop. And uh, yeah, I'd be look forward to breaking that series down in relation to the events of season two, because uh, yeah, I'm very excited for season three. Yeah, I mean, this was just a very small snippet. I'm sure we'll get a but full it says trailer so much, at right? some point. It says so and... much about, about his character and what's going to happen here. So, Well, okay, let's move into our next trailer. This one I'm, I'm super stoked about. This is for Bel Air. This comes from the spec trailer i guess you could call it uh produced by morgan cooper um which which basically reimagines the fresh prince of bel-air uh it's set in modern day america it's a one-hour drama series and it reimagines as i mentioned the beloved sitcom the fresh prince of bel-air through a new dramatic take on will's complicated journey from the streets of west philly to the gated mansion in bel-air uh, as these two worlds collide will reckons with the power of second chances while navigating the conflicts emotions and biases of a world far different from the only one he's ever known. This has a relatively unknown cast. Uh, so we have uh, Jabari Banks as Will, uh, Ali Sholatan as, as Carlton, Adrian Holmes as Uncle Phil, uh, Cassandra Freeman as Aunt Viv, uh, Coco Jones as Hillary, Akira Akbar as Ashley, Jimmy Akingbola as Jeffrey, and Jordan L. Jones as Jazz. Uh, this is hitting Peacock, which is NBC's own streaming platform, February 13th, 2022. I was very surprised with this trailer. Um, I knew what we were anticipating, but I just, I'm liking what I'm seeing. It, it's definitely giving me some some cool, fun vibes. I know. I hope it. I hope it's not, you know, a CW level type of show. Like, I hope the writing and the acting and, and everything, the production is, is a little higher like we've come to know from so many other great TV shows that are on right now. I mean, the yeah. quality and standards for television is so high these days that it, sure. it is kind of hard to hit that benchmark. But yeah. um, specifically from the Jeffrey character, it looks uh, like some 
pretty terrific acting. Uh, I was yeah. certainly the most intrigued by him and the, the changes it looks like they've made to Carlton. For sure. Um, so he's not a pushover uh, here by any means. But he so seems, seems like he might be. He might be because you put your head down and you, you, you just do your thing, right? And I think that that's very much him kind of being that pushover and being suppressed. So I think there's a lot to explore there. I totally agree. The introduction of Jeffrey in this trailer, you get the mentor vibes right away. Like as much as Uncle Phil is going to serve as this sort of, you know, father figure, I think the life mentor is going to be someone like Jeffrey. I enjoy the sort of dark turn that they seem to be implicating with his past in this trailer you know uh reminiscent of i think something that is actually much far more real it's obviously this is a dramatization as as we described so it 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 feels like it's it's going to be a manner of as it says him navigating his own identity you know being from the streets of philly being here in bel-air but also understanding it through him being black as well, right? So I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what they're going to explore and if this, this show can almost refresh its approach on how we look at, you know, the race conversation because that's very much what I feel like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air did in the 90s. The in original series like was, yeah, it was very groundbreaking in a lot of the ways it looked first, at, at first racism and class. Episodes, man, yeah. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah, I think this is the best way that they could do it is we're not going to see Carlton doing any Tom Jones dancing. There's no, you know, cabbies with license plates that say fresh and dice in the mirror. Like, this is going to be a lot more serious in tone, I think, and and that's probably the right lens to, to sort of use to explore these issues. But I will say this. This, when we talk about total recast, and this is very much that. You guys, you guys harp on me all the time for my my Danish interpretation of friends called pals, <laughs> which is it, it was very out there. But I think that the idea of um, what this show is doing, I think that's where I was trying to go with friends is maybe trying to reimagine it for contemporary times, make it relative so on and so forth so very excited for that february 13th uh now uh, how how are we going to watch this here in canada how how does a canadian watch a peacock show uh well that's actually a great question from what i was able to find online it looks like chorus uh, a, a distribution uh channel here in canada i believe has partnered with peacock to distribute uh some of their shows so uh, I'm thinking it'll show up somewhere on one of these channels, like Showcase or something like that. So very exciting. No, but of the of the three we looked at, that is certainly the one that I think has the most potential and is the most worthwhile to sort of t- check out and see what it's all about. Absolutely. Um, well, that's it for trailer time. And as we wrap up, I thought it would probably be uh, best time now to sort of acknowledge what seems to be a, a week of losses. Uh, starting with uh, the iconic Betty White, who uh, died at at 99, 17 days before her uh, her 100th birthday, and you know she was such an icon and and uh, was pretty much seen it all, um, and she was just such a pop culture icon, right? So weird way to start the year off with uh, all her loss. It's just crazy to think that you know Betty White seemed old to me when I was a kid watching her in Golden Girls, and yeah. that was almost 40 years ago. Like, that's just unbelievable. And she went on to have a great career with Hot in Cleveland, and she just, she had staying power. One of the funniest, you know, uh, comedians to ever grace the small screen. She she was a legend. 
Uh, she's just, you know, one of the, the funniest actors to, to ever do it. She knew exactly what she had, and uh, she brought it uh, like nobody else before her. She, she lived a long life, man. Like you said, like to be what? We were like 10 when Golden Girls was a thing, right? And, you know, to your point, to recognize that, you know, she was an older lady, right? But I mean, she has she has she has spanned so many different times and has adapted like even to the point of where you see her in uh, the proposal. Is it the proposal with Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds? Sure. Uh right? And she plays uh Ryan Reynolds's grandma. Um you know, thinking back like just, you know, how how outlandish sometimes her her acting would go. She she would go there, right? She was she had that comedian spirit to kind of take it to the next level, so she was she was absolutely terrific in uh, Lake Placid um, as the old lady who's feeding the alligator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she, was, she was great in that one. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, but uh, with that as well, we, we there were Sydney Potier uh, passed away on on January sixth, um, and uh, he died uh, at the age of ninety four. Um, this this was obviously iconic for for a multitude of reasons, being one of the first African American to uh, win an Academy Award, and he was seen as a trailblazer uh, for for uh, the black community within acting, and and a lot of people looked up to him. It was it was incredible to see the messages from Denzel Washington, uh, the tweet from Morgan Freeman, um, just taking the time to acknowledge the impact. That uh, someone like Sidney Poitier had on their on their career, and them being able to to uh, do what they do. Absolutely, just a, another great example of a trailblazer. You know, fighting against uh, stereotypes and oppression in the exactly. industry to to you know really carve out a legacy as one of the great actors. And probably one of the best moments uh, in Oscar history came 38 years after he won, and he yeah. uh, received an honorary. Lifetime Achievement Award on the same night that Denzel became just the second African American actor, and oh, they amazing. they they have a really cool exchange at that moment, and you can, it, you know, it's generations of history um, being celebrated that evening. So that was really really cool for sure. I remember that uh, to this day. Well, they always say it comes in threes. So this weekend, uh, the third uh, death that happened here was was Bob Saget uh, passing away at sixty five, found in his hotel room in Florida while he was on the road doing a, a new stand-up. Um, this one hurt. This one really hurt. Uh, Danny Tanner is forever the TV dad for so many uh, 90s kids. Um, I think as oddball as he has been called out to be for his his comedy and, and just, you know, Danny Tanner was a different part of Bob Saget, which is very real, a very loving, caring father. Uh, and he is remembered from his, by his family, um, who, you know, he cared very dearly about. So, uh, yeah, this one, this one was a hard one, hard one to definitely, to definitely in my opinion, not that any death isn't, you know, incredibly tragic, but just Obviously, to think yeah. of how young he was. And apparently sure. he had just spoken with his wife on the phone a couple hours before he uh, passed and he seemed to be doing just fine. And so I'm sure this one was quite uh, surprising, not just for us, but especially those closest to him. But it is pretty amazing that as a comedian, he has a legacy of being one of the dirtiest minds out there. And yet for a generation of kids like us, he was either, you know, the ideal TV dad or, you know, America's Funniest Videos, you yes, know, like, absolutely. you know, so it's funny how he was able to have two different sort of uh, niches. I've, I've been seeing the meme go around. He's, he was he was bringing cat videos 
to us before YouTube. So it's very true. He he definitely impacted that. But no, you're absolutely right. I've always seen him as the the squeaky clean Danny Tanner. And when I saw him, you know, the odd uh, cameo appearances he had in Entourage, so random, right? But he was always just like, it was so funny because it felt like when you were talking to him, he was Danny Tanner. But then there's just like this oddball weird sense to him. And it's just like, you're weird, man. <laughs> yeah, I think he was a strange dude. And, uh, you know, I mean, he has a great cameo in Half-Baked um, yeah. at the... Yes. Uh, the drug rehab yeah, center yeah, there. I, I I probably couldn't quote his uh, famous <laughs> line from that movie on this podcast, but if you know, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, definitely a very interesting guy to to sort of have his be to be known for two very different sort of um, uh, tones, if you will. Yeah, you know it's crazy that uh, that that at sixty five he he's gone. So too soon but um yeah on that down note i think it's time to wrap up this episode well that is it for this week in geek thanks for tuning in wherever you listen to podcasts if you haven't already be sure to subscribe and leave us a glowing review we always appreciate the love uh you can also reach out to us ask us any questions about the news and trailers shared today or anything of sorts around what we cover to do so you can reach us by email at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com that's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com or on twitter at geekcentricyt or on instagram at wearegeekcentric keep in mind we have a ton of other episodes covering a variety of other content and new content always coming out such as our ongoing watch club for the book of boba fett and early next week we know we we're, we're a bit late but we're doing a best of 2021 with two just two categories best tv show best movie and there might be a question or two a bonus round we'll see but it's gonna be a tough selection from 2021 given that everyone who else who's done recaps has talked a lot about the variety of movies so narrowing it down to one that's sh that should be that should be fairly interesting and also as we mentioned earlier down the road we will have our annual oscar coverage where we predict who will win the coveted award like kevin said hopefully it's doesn't float by us like a tweet we got some reviews in the min in between all of that so be sure to subscribe but until then kev thanks for joining me for this week in geek thank you it was, it was nice to to get back to our route it certainly was a newsworthy start to, to 2022 um and hopefully we'll uh, just have that much more news and stories and trailers and everything to explore absolutely it will not be our last so as we say stay home safe guys peace <laughs>